What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Referee was given the signal. Oh, Kuzma! Spin in a storm! Boy, that's you talk about read the defense. Your Cal Kuzma. Yeah, we're gonna look at that move again and again and again. Ooh, where'd he go? Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Lakers have changed up their diet completely in prep for the regular season, getting in some much-needed vitamin D, and completely substituting rice for heavy helpings of the much healthier... Tommy? Salad. (laughs) Close. Substituting rice for a heavy diet of... Couscous. Get it? Uh... Couscous? Oh, yeah, that's couscous for all you health nuts. There you go. Kyle Kuzma, still the man of the hour for the Lakers. Lakers could not eke out the win tonight versus the Jazz, losing 105 to 99 at the end there. But they have looked significantly more competent the last two preseason games. So, Tommy, how are you feeling about the team now? And how do you like that Jordan Clarkson, Jesus Walks, slow-mo, running man, and one celebration dance? It looked a lot better than Brandon Ingram's Leroy Jenkins drive against Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Yeah, no, I overall happy with the way the team played. Um, we'll talk about it in more detail, but they, if they lose 50 games, 55 games this year... But they play, you know, 90% of them the way they played tonight. I consider that a successful season. Yeah, they've looked a lot better the last two games and mainly coming from the defensive end, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a bit. Um, also shout out to at run the jewels for that Leroy Jenkins tweet in reference to Brandon Ingram's fail and flop of a drive against Gobert. Uh, if anybody doesn't know the Leroy Jenkins video, look it up on YouTube. Leroy Jenkins! All right, anyways, oh, really quickly, did you see the the latest Star Wars trailer today? 
I saw it last night, actually. Ooh, what did you think? I thought it looks pretty awesome. It looks pretty awesome. So I have to say, um, one, it looked different than, I think, episode seven. My former production supervisor, he actually got a job at ILM down in the Bay. They do the uh, special effects for all the Star Wars movies and then Marvel movies and stuff like that. And he actually got to watch a pretty rough cut of episode eight, the one that just is coming out this December. And he actually hated episode seven because he thought it mimicked too closely A New Hope. But he okay. said, just quick, it's not, it's not a spoiler alert, but he said he likes the direction that episode eight is going because it veers away from the generic. So they take a lot of chances in this next one. And I think we got a glimpse of that in this trailer, which is why I was excited. So we'll see. Very cool. All right. With that said, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more keeping it 100 emoji tattoos Kuzma will secretly keep adding onto his body without letting anyone know. You saw that tattoo, right? On his left shoulder today? Yes, I did. I'm pretty sure it's new because I don't remember. I think I would have noticed if it was there because it's pretty red. The 100 tattoo? No, it's been there the whole it's time. Been th- Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, I've noticed it like the first. Well, I I'm, I don't know if I noticed it in summer league because I feel like the jerseys were maybe higher. I don't know, but I noticed it for sure the first preseason game. Oh, okay, all right. Maybe I need to be more perceptive. But tonight, especially, I think they zoomed in and I was like, "Whoa, keeping it 100 emoji tattoo." At first, I thought it was fake because I was like, "Is that just like one of those like temporary?" Yeah, there's <laughs> some meme that there's some meme that came out after like Kuzma's second preseason game because. You know, he was so hyped after the Summer League, and then after his second preseason game where he played really well again, so there was some, like, funny graphic that somebody put out that was like, is Kuzma the next LeBron? And they made it look like one of those, you know what I mean, like those ESPN things, and under Kuzma's name, it said, like, 100 tattoos, one, (laughs) and LeBron, 100 (laughs) tattoos, zero. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) that was one of the things they had. So his 100 tattoo is, like... I think it is pretty popular as of, uh, at least as of this preseason. I don't know if he had it in college. Got it. Well, if you want to see more of those red 100 tattoos on his neck, behind his right earlobe, on his right chest, so when he pulls his jersey to the side in rage, we get to see it, <laughs> please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, all right. With that said, before we get into the Lakers actual game today against the Jazz, bit of quick Lakers news. Over the last few days or so, we learned that the Lakers have hired the former director of analytics for the entire NBA, Jason Rosenfeld, and yeah, to head up their analytics department. Tommy, what do you think about that really quickly? And do you know anything about his resume? I mean, I guess his resume speaks for itself, just being the direct, the the basketball director of analytics. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great hire. I think, you know, it's like we always, I feel like the theme of this season is going to be, can you put your money where your mouth is? You know what I mean? I feel like we've said that phrase so many times and magic and Rob and, you know, they've, they've been pushing this. Like we want to be ahead of the game. We want to be like, we want to be the best in every single category, like across the board, because we can afford to, we're in the, you know, playing in the best market with the best franchise, the best history, there's no reason why we shouldn't be the best in everything if you can afford it, right? So that's all nice and good. And yeah, obviously everybody agrees. But the question is, how are you going to execute it? And 
for a long time, it's like they were, it seemed like they were focusing more stuff on analytics. Like it seemed like they were making more hires, you know, they were saying they were expanding the department or whatever, but we didn't have like a, like a known figurehead to like hire, you know what I mean? Or like we didn't have a big, big name hire to like lead up the department. And it looks like they were just biding their time and waiting for the right candidate to come about. So, you know, this dude, what's his name? His last name's Rosenfeld. Jason. Jason Rosenfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jason Rosenfeld, I mean, he, he's, a, he seems like an impressive guy. He was like a analytics dude from Harvard. He's like one of these stories. And then, you know, he, in college or in grad school, maybe he worked with the Harvard team and then he's, you know, worked in, uh, he worked with like Yao Ming's team in China. He's done like, he, he has like a pretty insane resume. So I think it's an awesome hire. I think, this guy's job, literally, for the you know however long he's been doing it for the NBA, was to be an analytics expert on every single team. So he's just gonna have that like intuition of like when he sees a player's name. You know how like you like just even for us as fans, when you're looking up stats all the time, you kind of just sort of remember what player stats are. It's like kind of embarrassing, but I think all sports <laughs> fans fall into that category. Like, Oh, Paul George, doesn't he average like 23.6 points per, you know, the numbers just yeah. there for some reason. Cause you see it so much. I think, you know, that's not something that can be, uh, that's something that should not be overlooked. I should say with regards to Jason, because He's been looking at these analytics like league wide for however long and certain numbers are going to stick and that's only going to give him give him an advantage and I'm sure through his analytics uh, experience he's thought along the way like how can this be applied you know for teams so I I think it's a really really awesome hire. Yeah, I agree. I think the Lakers on all spectrum of things have tried to hire forerunners in each department whether that's you know, fitness with Gunner, you know, the um, diet dietitians that they're getting to help these guys with their nutrition and eating more couscous. And <laughs> now with Jason Rosenfeld and the analytics department, again, like you said, I want to reiterate, the Lakers have done a bang up job on the optics end of things, making it look like we're part of the new NBA. But again, it has to translate into actual production. Like, what are they going to do with those analytics on the court? How is Luke going to implement it? How is it going to help the development of our young players? So I think time will tell, but at least on the surface right now, great hire. Uh, with that said, the Lakers have looked good the last two games. Granted, they played the Kings the last game, who are a dumpster fire, even more so than us. And they don't seem to, yeah. And they have a lot of veterans there that I'm not, I'm not even sure what's going on. I I was looking at the starting lineup. I was like, oh yeah, I guess they did sign Zebo, George Hill, and all these random other Vince Carter, you know, Carter. Such a strange middling team, but whatever, you know. Um, but given that, you know, we were looking for any signs of encouragement from the Lakers and they have brought the, activity intensity but i think outside of the activity and intensity i think a little more head knowledge and smarts to go with it like it looks like they have a sense of a little bit more sense of what to do collectively as a defensive unit out there and they're honing that to get out in transition even without lonzo ball so those are encouraging signs so i guess after tonight's game against the jazz the lakers you know they lost 10599 and i i tweeted it out the uh the results won't necessarily bear it out if you look at the opponent's field goal percentage because the Jazz still shot 46% from the field. But I yeah. think the Lakers were causing havoc in transition by forcing a lot of turnovers on the Jazz's end. They forced like 21 turnovers. They may, I think they may have gotten like, I don't know the exact numbers, but maybe like 
20 to 25 points off of turnovers from the Jazz. You know, they really used those steals and getting into the passing lanes. And actually, those things translated to easy buckets on the other end, layups, fouls, etc. So I thought that was very encouraging to see. Um, I just I just like the the activity and intensity overall from tonight's game. And I, I think a lot of that came from, at the start, both Brandon Ingram and Larry Nance Jr. And then obviously, Brooke Lopez has been introduced into the lineup the last two games. So I guess in general, what have you thought about the last two games and more specifically this this jazz game? Yeah, I think overall uh, defense has been just amazing. Like you said, I don't think the stats in this jazz game really showed how good we were defensively. Um, if we can have this kind of effort every single night, it'll be amazing, right? And, and I think actually that kind of, kind of reminds me of this point that, so I watched the ESPN feed of this game just I think I mentioned this before, but whenever there's a non-Time Warner option, I like to use that option. Not not that I have anything against Stu or Billy Mack. I like them. They're fine. But I just like to see what other people's perspective is once in a yeah. while. You know what I mean? So whatever. So anyway, I watched the ESPN feed, and Mark Jackson made a really good point uh, at some point during the game of like, so the bad teams are able to do what the Lakers did to the Kings uh, you know, two nights ago. But then follow it up to, you know, two nights later with like, you know, laying an egg defensively. Um, and the good teams are ones that can just like string three, four, five, six, you know, 50 games like that consecutively in a row. Uh, and that's what separates the good and bad teams. You know what I mean? Like any team can, can put forth that Kings effort that we had one time. And we've seen it over the years. Like I personally want to say, and this is probably extreme because it was a preseason game. I personally want to say that Kings game was like the best defensive game of the last five, four years. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I, that I can recall seeing because it's like the Kings, I know they're not good, but they played like their actual rotation. Like all their starters played over 30 minutes, you know, buddy healed, got a good chunk of minutes. Vince Carter got a good chunk of minutes. Pretty much the only one who didn't play was Darren Fox. Cause he got hurt, but even he put in like 10 minutes. So uh, they played like their regular season rotation. Yes, they're not that good, but we held them to 30% shooting, forced a bunch of turnovers. Uh, you know, I got 10 steals. Uh, although our offense wasn't performing in that game, we were able to put up points because of the good defense, 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 defense. And it's easy to do that one time and then pat yourself on the back and be like, okay, we did it, and then completely forget about it. But I thought they came back tonight just as aggressive defensively, 13 steals. Uh, like you said, forced 21 turnovers on the Jazz, tons of points off of turnovers. And honestly, if we had a better game plan, which you could argue during the season uh, for t- a team-by-team basis might be the case – we had a better game plan for defending Gobert, who went 10 for 12. I think we would have looked a lot better. You know what I mean? Like, we held Rubio to 6 for 18. I know he's not an amazing offensive player, but we held him to way below his average shooting percentage, which is at least, I think, like 40%. Um, Alec Burks only 1 for 8. Um, Donovan Mitchell kind of went off, but we at least were able to limit him from 3. He only shot 2 for 9 from 3. So... You know, we held them to 26%, 27% from three. Uh, just a great, great, great team effort. Like I said, if they can compete like this and ultimately they just get out-talented, fine. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway from this Jazz game is the fact that Rodney Hood, notwithstanding, because he left with an injury after four minutes, 
the Jazz pretty much played their normal rotation here, and I think it's e- I think it's did, easy yeah. to say after Gordon Hayward has left that oh the Jazz are probably going to be a bad team. But I'm looking at their lineup and I'm like, no, they're they're filled with a bunch of veterans. You know, Rudy Gobert is going to be an All Star. Yeah, Rubio's like always been yeah. super solid. Joe Johnson is there picking up the slack. They got Derek Favors. Like that that's a really solid team. You know, it's and like, the rookie Donovan Mitchell is a this- stud. So. Donovan Mitchell's a stud. Like the Jazz are five and zero in the preseason now. They're five and zero for a reason. You know, it's not to say that this is going to be. I, I'm not even going to commit to saying this team is playoff a team. playoff team in the West. But what I will say is, Quinn Snyder has been there for several years now. They have like a deeply ingrained offensive and defensive culture. Like I'm not going to compare them to the Spurs or something like that, but. Quinn Snyder has been building this system and this culture since day one that he got there. And regardless of whether you're plug and playing a few new players, like many of the core players have been here. Derek Favors, Ingles, Gobert, uh, Hood, although he only played a little bit, Joe Johnson, Burks, like these guys have been here. And then it makes it a matter of like, Basically, can you plug in Rubio? Okay, Rubio can kind of figure it out. Like, can you plug in Donovan Mitchell? Like, it's not that hard to plug in a guard into a system like that. You know what I mean? So it's like they're leaps and bounds ahead of, like, where the Lakers are, who are not only a very young team in year two, basically, of their Luke Walton rebuild era, and then um, added, like, seven new players in the offseason. You know, so it's it's kind of different situations, and I felt like given those circumstances, we comp- we competed very, very well. Yeah, and I think the story of the game tonight was just we kind of crumbled at the end there because we are a young team. We did have a five-point lead in the fourth quarter, and then with five minutes left, Brandon Ingram came in cold, Brooke Lopez especially came in cold, and we kind of just wilted yeah. from there, which is understandable. We're a young team. Brandon Ingram turned into Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of thing after having like a first half of being super controlled, super balanced, super under control, kind of went into, all right, fourth quarter, gets its Mamba time. And womp, much, yeah. womp, womp. Um, but we'll get into that. Well, yeah, you, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get we'll get yeah. into it. Go ahead. So uh, with that said, let's quickly just go through the top line headers, and then we'll get more into the game as we more into the game and the players as we go along. So let's start with player of the game. So I have, I, I as I, as we watched the game, I'm like writing down my notes. Right. And initially I actually had Ingram in there for like a good three quarters, yeah. you know, and then the fourth quarter, I yeah. was like, okay, I, I was well. like, I can't yeah. have this guy in there. So this might sound like a cop out, but I'm actually going to have player of the game be a collective effort amongst Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Clarkson, Caruso, Randall, <laughs> and Nance. And those, I mean, I, it's a cop it's out. A cop out, but I think all of, all the whole team, but especially those guys in particular, all played really, really, really well. Ingram probably was the worst they out did, of those yeah. guys, but everybody else was contributing. I mean, Larry Nance off the bat with the activity. He was doing everything from, on both ends, blocking shots, you know, tipping balls, getting offensive rebounds. I mean, that's the Nance we know and love, you know. That's the Nance who debatably could be a better fit than Randall in a lineup, you know. And he showed it tonight next to Brooke Lopez. And I think that starting unit really, like, set the tempo for how the guys were, were going to compete the rest of the night. And so, yeah, Nance was great. Um Randall was great again. He had five steals. I mean, th- that was amazing. And then Kuzma with the slow start, but oh my gosh, like always super calm, super composed. He knows he can pop off whenever he wants to and still manage with 18 mm-hmm. points. I mean, to tied for the lead for the Lakers once again. And, um, 
and Clarkson. I mean, well, yeah, we'll get into it a little bit more. I think if I had yeah. to choose, this is such a weird thing to say. If I had to choose out of that collective effort unit, who would be my player of the game? I think I would go with Caruso actually, because every t- he played okay. 32 minutes, dude, and every time he was in he the did, game, yeah. I felt like the tempo and and the offense was under control. He had four points, six yep. rebounds, ten assists. He was pushing the ball even in the half court, especially. He got the offense flowing and humming. So. If we're just talking about a glue sort of guy, I mean, Caruso made everything hum and allowed guys like Clarkson and Kuzma and Randall to kind of just worry about what they need to worry about. You know what I mean? So who is your player of the game? I was also going to say Caruso. I think we may have found like a legitimate like piece here moving forward in terms of uh, backup point guard position. Um Tyler Ennis, I think, is totally solid. Um, he might, he's arguably better, like, as an offensive player than Caruso because I think Ennis is more confident in his jump shot and his, like, floater game. Um, but Caruso is just so good. Like, this is, this guy plays defense, competes at a high level, although he looks super unathletic. He is, like, an insane perimeter defender, and I really think he can guard both guard positions because he's 6'5. Um, yeah, he's able to use his intelligence and his length to keep up with small like point guards. He's able to use his strength and his height to contend uh, shooting guards. So I think that's a really interesting thing about him. Ten assists against a defensive team like the Jazz is not a joke, especially considering our best offensive players to date in Randall Kuzma. Uh, even Brooke Lopez, although he only has really played a game before this, all those guys were kind of slow tonight. And Cal- Caldwell Pope only played like 22 minutes. So it to get 10 assists in all those circumstances, I think, is really amazing. I think, like you said, he has a really good feel of controlling the pace. And if we're trying to build a team that plays at a, plays a certain way with or without Lonzo Ball on the floor, I think Caruso is really proving that he can develop into that kind of player. And I'm excited for him to start in the D league. I don't know how long he's going to sit there because I swear he's going to like, <laughs> we're going to start pulling our hair out with Ennis. I think fairly shortly, if he doesn't up his game to Caruso levels, but uh, Caruso, I think going to the D league and getting a chance to develop some confidence on that jump shot um, is going to be huge for him because he can hit the three. I think he just needs to get used to hitting it, you know, from NBA distance against like NBA caliber opponents and in, in the flow of the Lakers offense, like as he starts to understand where he's going to get his shots. So I think if he goes to, once he goes to the D league and starts getting shots up, he's going to be like within this season, a very, very solid uh, backup point guard. Yeah. Do you remember what the stipulation is for two way contracts? Cause at this point, like, do they have to start out in the D league or can we literally have him on the roster for opening night to play minutes. So I don't remember the exact number. So they, to answer your question, they don't have to start in the D league. They could start in the NBA, but with the two way, they're capped at the number of games they can play in the NBA. Oh, okay. Do you know what that number is? Uh, I can look it up. We could talk about, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. Oh, with Caruso. I mean, people have been bringing it up, but he, he reminds me of Steve Blake, like a taller Steve Blake who hasn't gotten, who doesn't really have the three point shot yet, but it seems like he has everything else. And it's crazy because the guy is only 23 years old. Um, and maybe it's also the fact that he's balding, that he just has this calming veteran presence and leadership when he's on the court. But I think that also parallels the actual gameplay, you know, the, yep. the gameplay parallels the look and the style and it just fits. And I, I think, 
even when he looks at unathletic, there are some plays where all of a sudden he'll have a burst of speed and he'll try and dunk it. And I'm like, ooh, that was deceptively athletic. And I'm not just saying deceptively athletic because he's white, but like there are some plays where he actually looks athletic and it kind of comes out of nowhere. He just picks and chooses when. And I think that's to his advantage too, you know? I mean, there have been plays where he's like gotten lobs and stuff. So yeah. I, yeah, I really like what Caruso brings. Can can they take away the two way contract thing and just give him a contract? So I was just uh, that's what I was trying to figure out. So I I forgot that it, I, I thought it was a number of games. It's actually a number of days, right? So the player, uh, so in this case Caruso, could spend up to forty five days with the team that signs him. So you know, however many games forty five days translates into, maybe like ten, eleven, I don't know how many games <laughs> maybe more than that. I honestly I can't think about it right now, but like twelve games I don't know, I don't know. He can play that many games with the NBA team that signs him. After that time, he's still under the two A contract. He just can't be with the NBA team anymore. He has to be with the G League team. Um you can just waive that contract because the entire thing is non-guaranteed and then you just have to make a roster spot and sign them to a normal contract. Because the mm-hmm. idea with these two-way contracts, right, is it was just trying to get over this, like, song and dance that NBA teams have to do um, when that, like, 10-day signing contract time always happens, like, towards the end of the year where you sign them to one 10-day and then you sign them to another 10-day. And it was a it was a compromise to kind of fix that and then also address this issue of... Um, you know, paying a certain guys who are kind of tweeners between NBA and D League, making them able to make more money uh, for spend if they're able to spend more time in the NBA. But yeah, so forty five days is his max. He could start in the NBA um, if they want, and once that time is up, they can just waive his contract and re-sign him to um to a normal contract. Cool. Thanks for looking that up. And I think the Lakers are going to have to do that and make him a permanent fixture in the roster because, yeah. yeah, I think he looks way better than Ennis. And especially when Lonzo's out, we need to have that sort of insurance. And I'm perfectly comfortable. I don't think he's one of those players where it's like when it, the regular season starts, he's going to psych himself out and spaz out. Like he just has this veteran calmness he's that, good. I, that yeah, I believe in, you know? Yeah, just like Kuzma, he's proving that, you know, Russo-mania in Summer League is not a fluke, you know? And it's it's easy to see how it's not a fluke because he doesn't do anything flashy. He just, he just has right solid, yeah, solid understanding, high basketball IQ, and that's really all you need. And then on top of it, he pushes the pace better than Tyler Ennis, mainly because Tyler Ennis, he does some weird stuff when he drives into the lane, and he seems like he just can't finish. Like, yeah. some of the shots he flips up, I'm like... Do you play in the NBA? That's like something I would put up. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but but Caruso just has a solid understanding of like when not to shoot, when to shoot, when to pass. And I guess that also comes from his size. So yeah, great by Caruso. Um, wh- what was your offensive play of the game? For me, this is easy. And you, I guess you don't, you can follow this up by not being boring and saying something different. But obviously mine is the King Kyle Kuzma spin move of death in transition. Oh, yeah. Uh, he completely dropped Cephalosha and transported him back into 1992. Uh, he had been quiet up until that point, but I just loved how patient he was the entire game. He wasn't forcing anything. And then right before that play, he hit a long baseline too. And then in that transition play, spin cycle magic, and everybody was, was losing their minds after that. Understandably so. And I think the thing with Karu, I mean, Kuzma is when he does those crazy violent spin moves, it's like so quick. So much spin, but on top of that, so much control, which which I love. So what was your offensive play of the game? 
Uh, mine was kind of like a play that I hope tip or is like exemplifies this season for the Lakers. It was kind of like a scrappy play. It was, uh, we were on offense and Larry Nance wasn't able to get the rebound over Gobert, So he jumps up and tips it to the corner to Ingram. Ingram like dives out of ba- uh, bounds to save the pass. And it ends up in Caruso's hands who throws a lob back to Nance under the basket for a dunk. I thought that was a pretty sick play. Um, yep. I mean, not a quote unquote play. Like that wasn't how they drew it up. Right. But it was just like, Shows how, like, look, on paper, yeah, you go down the line, and this is really uh, demonstrated in games where we just don't show up, but you go down the line and you're like, okay, there's not a lot of guys who can, like, get a shot here. You know what I mean? So because of that, these guys are going to have to play as a team and play scrappy and outwork their opponents, and and that play kind of exemplified that to me. Yep, I agree. I think the Lakers are, if they're ever going to do well this season, it's going to be based off of their activity, energy, and effort. So let's go move on to defensive play of the game. I mean, there's a lot to look at here. I think I'm just going to say my defensive play of the game was Larry Nance in the first quarter swatting a shot um, really aggressively. I, I used that play specifically basically because I felt like it was indicative of his energy everywhere tonight on both ends of the court, including that play, that offensive rebound play where he's tipping the ball. Um, so I felt like that block shot kind of set it off and it kind of was, that kind of energy was infectious to everybody around him. And that's why I've been disappointed with Nance up until this point, you know, because when he's on and he's locked in and just being energetic and active, like, that kind of stuff rubs off on the entire team. And I just felt like even Ingram and, and all those guys were, were locked in in, they were manic on defense, which, and, and jumping around and tipping balls and stuff. And so that, that's what I love tonight. So that was my de- defensive play of the game. Larry Nance swat in the first. What about you? Uh, I was actually going to say the same thing. So <laughs> I, I don't have, no, nope, that's one. fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was mine as well. <laughs> cool. Um, so, who is your surprising development or player of the game? Initially, I was going to say Caruso, but I mean, he's our player of the game. So I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson, actually, yeah. as my surprising His player of the game, game because had, like. first good game he's had. And tonight, 18 points, six of eight from the field, hit a three pointer, five for five from free throws, only, only played 20 minutes, but. He also was active, you know, getting in the passing lanes, getting steals, fast break dunks, that and one play, and then the little dancey dance with the shoulders and the bent knees. That was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as much as we ragged on Jordan Clarkson, like, we need this guy to be good, guys. Like, we need this guy to be good in order to trade him. We need him to be good for the sake of our offense and just taking some slack off of you know, uh, Lonzo Ball, and it, it just works so much better when, when Jordan Clarkson is, you know, that, that bench scoring guy that Lou Will provided us with, you know, off the bench last year, you know, just to have another offensive threat, a guy who, who can create his own shot, but do so in a way that's more controlled and not the way that Clarkson's been doing, where it seems like he lost all ability to dribble competently, you know, but, but tonight he did, Everything you could ask him, he was he was hitting a three, he was hitting threes, he was hitting mid-range jump shots, and then in transition, he looked super fast. You know, he showed that burst of speed. And when Jordan Clarkson is more controlled like that, uh, I think he can be very helpful to this team. So who is your surprising player of the game? Uh, my surprising player of the game, probably, I think this one's less obvious, but Julius Randle. Um, if you look at his stat line, it doesn't look like he had a huge impact. I mean, he was a plus four, which I think is pretty good off the bench. 
He only shot four for 10, you know, a little bit worse than he's been shooting. Uh, Only four rebounds, only one assist, you know, 13 points. But five steals is the big stat that stands out to me. And these were not Mm -hmm. just like, oh, you know, yeah, maybe one of them was like preseason. Somebody was sloppy dribbling the ball. But most of them were just extremely active hands and extremely quick feet, putting himself in the right position to get steals. Um, And it just, I, I think... Julius Randle's sustained effort defensively coupled with his slightly, ever so slightly better decision-making offensively has been the biggest development of this preseason to me. I think after game one, I was kind of nervous that here's more of the same with Randle. I still think he makes plenty of boneheaded, like just plenty of boneheaded plays. But I think that yeah. number is going down each year, and I think it's continuing to go down through this preseason. And I just get this sense that he's starting to develop, even just through this preseason, at a much faster rate per game than he did he has at any point in the last few years. It's like last year, you know, the summer before last year, we saw improvement, and then last year from day one to the end of the season, he was the same player. It didn't ever really felt like he was incrementally growing at any point during the season. Sure, he got better from year one to year two, but the incremental growth over the course of the year, I never really felt like was there. And I think just in this preseason, I've seen that incremental growth with Randall in terms of sustaining effort defensively, holding like looking like he's holding himself accountable defensively and uh and also slightly 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 better decision making i think from game to game so uh for me it's randall yeah and randall that's you know two straight really good games in a row off the bench actually you know in the kings game he was actually my we didn't do this for the kings game because we didn't have an episode but he was my mvp slash player the game for the kings game with 17 points 10 rebounds three assists three steals one block really showing you know that added conditioning and activity what he's done to his body i mean he's so fast right now you know insanely fast He's honing that for the right reasons more more often than not in terms of using that for the defensive end to get steals and block shots and stuff and get well, aggressive rebounds. You know, the, the the more he can use it just for that and lessen the banging down low and running into people, the better yeah. we're all going to be. Well, and I was going to say it's funny, right? Because the guy's been working so hard all summer to get into the best shape of his life, and he has. And the interesting thing is I think when he first started, like for sure against Minnesota and even that first Denver game, I think it takes guys a while, like who have made that big of like a physical transformation to like really, um, you know, figure their, their new bodies out. You know what I mean? Like the first game he kind of played like he's always played. He didn't really look that much faster. He didn't really look like he was in that much better shape. He was kind of loafing around a little bit still on defense. He looked slow laterally he looks slow jumping off the floor. And in the last two games, this dude has been zipping around the floor, exploding off the, you know, exploding uh, to, to block shots or at least challenge shots. If he can block them tonight was the first game. He actually did not have a block shot and he's had eight steals in the last two games. Um, So it's, I I think it took him a while to like kind of figure things out, but now he's there. And I, I really, really hope that we actually continue to play him off the bench because I think the forward tandem of him and, and uh, Kuzma playing side by side is it's such a weird and versatile uh, forward lineup um, that I think it could work. And 
you know, you could find extra minutes for Kuzma at the four and Randall at the five if you want. Uh, and against second units, Randall is much more able to play against centers than he is in first units. So. Yeah, no, let's pivot off to that point, actually. A disappointing player. I didn't really have one tonight. But in terms of what did you, like, in terms of the lineup that you, Luke has been utilizing these last two games since Brooke Lopez has come on, I agree with you. I think having Julius Randle off the bench kind of just allows him more of the freedom to do what he wants to do in terms of, you know, handling the ball in transition. Um, and I actually think, like, People were groaning that the fact that Larry Nance was in the starting lineup, but for some reason, I just think given that Brooke Lopez is the safety valve for the starting unit and they go to him so often in the post that Larry Nance is the perfect complement to that for, because he just doesn't take up space the way Julius Randle does, even though Definitely. he doesn't shoot jump shots. Does that make sense? Cause I feel like no, even if Julie, even, even if Julius Randle was there, he still always wants to look for the offensive rebound or stay in the paint. You know what I mean? Where Larry Nance literally clears out and it just allows for more space, even if the defense doesn't necessarily go all the way out to the three point line. And then on top of it, you just know that Larry Nance is not going to do a dribbling exhibition show once every five possessions that Julius Randle is going to do, which is going to mess Brooke Lopez's flow up. So well, it just exactly. makes more sense and allows Lopez to do what Lopez do, you know, with it Nance there. And you just need guys, especially if we're going to be starting Brandon Ingram, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Brooke Lopez, which we are. These are guys that. You know, I'm not going to say they want, they need to have the ball in their hands or they want to have the ball in their hands or, you know, whatever. I'm just going to say that, like, it, these are not like Lonzo Ball situations where the second the ball's touching their hand, they're getting it out. At least right now. You know what I mean? They're going to hold the ball a little bit. So you want to surround those guys with as many guys as possible who are just going to get rid of it immediately. One of those is going to be Lonzo when he's healthy. And having Nance as that second guy, it's like you said, you completely remove the risk that you swing it and somebody catches it and then just tries to go one-on-one crazy dribbling exposition. Like save that for the bench when we need that kind of stuff, because our bench is not that talented without Randall, I think. Um, and it's not going to be very consistent without Randall. So save that for the bench and put a guy like Larry Nance, who you know is always going to make a smart play and he's never going to do anything flashy. But like you said, he doesn't take up a lot of space. He can defend um, a lot of starting power, most starting power forwards, I think. And he's just overall a much better fit with, I think, what we're going to go with in the rest of the starting unit. Yeah, and Larry Nance's game tonight is like a perfect, perfect, perfect snapshot of how you want him to play because he was he was the garbage man. He's the do do every little thing guy, you know, yeah. role player tonight in terms of crashing the boards when it needs to be crashed, being the role man, setting screens. And with a guy like Brooke Lopez, who's a good passer, like I see them developing a really good chemistry with, cause Nance just likes to roll, catch the ball and then jam on someone, you know, and yep. Brooke Lopez can easily find a guy like that. So I, I like the Nance starting lineup. I don't know if it's going to carry through to the regular season, but that's, that's actually been a surprising development to me. You know, like obviously Nance did not deserve it, but in the scheme and fit of things, I think it's worked out pretty well. And so I guess we can transition now to what have you thought about Brooke Lopez uh, these last two games? You know, he's only played limited minutes. Um, first game, he only played like 15 minutes, but man, did he make use of that scoring yep. 12 points really quickly, hit two threes. I mean, his three point shot is no joke. It's very yeah, pure. It's legit. Uh, he was only, he was only one for five tonight, but you can tell like he just has such a comfort level shooting that he barely has to jump, but it yep. goes in. Um, never going to be a great rebounder, but it's just nice to have a guy who, 
And it's not pretty, man. It's not aesthetically pretty. He's like super slow and plotting, it's but like because he's motion. so, <laughs> because he's so big, it's just like he can get. He has such a soft touch, right? He's it's like so weird. Skilled, yeah. His touch is insane. Yeah, it's like seven foot version, like slightly taller. I mean, Brad Miller used to play like this, but I mean, they both have the same soft jump shot, soft touch. And it's effective, you know, because the offense bogs down and you can just kind of dump it into Brooke Lopez and he'll find a way to like throw it up there and get you a decent shot pretty much. So yeah, what have you thought about Brooke Lopez so far? I agree with you. I thought, I think he's looked great um, so far. Uh, Stats weren't there tonight, but he's still like getting himself into shape. And this is only, he's played a total of 36 minutes in the preseason. (laughs) You know what I mean? So he has to like, get himself into shape and figure stuff out. Um, This is not a guy who is typically going to go three for 11, which I think over the past few years, we've become so accustomed to having these guys that are just going to be inconsistent. Like, you know, if they go four for five, one game, that means you can almost put a hundred dollars down that the next game, they're going to go one for seven. You know what I mean? So Brooke Lopez is a consistent 50% shooter and he's going to, you know, Maybe some games will be slightly below, some games will be slightly above, but he's going to be right in that in that range. Three for eleven is not a good night for him. Four turnovers, you know, all just like not being physically and mentally there yet type of turnovers, not just you know poor decision making or anything really, just not getting integrated yet. So, oh yeah, you can see that the type of impact he's going to have on this team. And another thing I wanted to point out was the one for five shooting from three. It almost means even less because if you think about it, like, yeah, one for five is not great, but at the same time, it's just what, what do those five shots mean? Those five shots represent having to lure whoever is defending him out to the three point line, because if he's willing to cast it off five times per game and you know that if he's wide, wide open, he's going to rain him down all day. You know, it just means that whoever's guarding him is going to have to keep going out. You know, this was not a one-time yep. thing from last year. He's going to continue to shoot over four threes a game, and you have to go out there and defend him. So if he shoots 35% shooting four threes a game, it's going to be devastating. You know, not in terms of points put up, not only in terms of points put up, I should say, just in terms of how it's going to ruin opposing defenses. Yeah, I agree. I think one concern of mine, but I think this just has to do with reintegrating Brooke Lopez and maybe, I know Luke's been using this excuse, but I think it applies in this sense where I think in the Kings game especially, I felt we were so post-ISO heavily focused on the post-ISO with either Brooke Lopez or Brandon Ingram. And I was like, this is not the team we were supposed to become. We weren't supposed to revert back to Julio Okafor type plays. But I think naturally once we, because I think Luke likes to use the post as like an entryway for additional passes, right? I think we saw some of that from even Larry Nance. So I think once they get Brooke Lopez more acclimated to the offense, the post will be more designed as uh, like a crux for more passing and not just yeah. ISO ball. And I mean, that's what the that's what the Warriors do too, right? They use Durant. Right. They use uh, Durant in the post. They use Draymond in the post. They use Sean Livingston in the post. And it's almost always to create plays. And... I, you know, for other people. And I think in this case, Brooke Lopez, you throw him the ball in the post and nobody, you know, he doesn't know what to do. His teammates off the ball don't know what to do. And so he's like, all right, I guess I'll just take it. And so I think that's what happened in the, <laughs> in the last game. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, and then I guess to add on to the Randall Kuzma thing coming off the bench, people were like, well, I'd love it if Randall had 
the uh, benefit of having Brook Lopez space the floor for him. But in this sense, it works the same way. He has the benefit of having Kuzma space the floor for him yeah. and he can do whatever he wants, you know? Um, so let's talk about Kuzma. So I said it on Twitter, but ever since this guy graduated from college, he literally, <laughs> literally has not had a bad game yeah. as a pro. Is, isn't that incredible? Like dating all the way back to summer league, yeah. like he has not had a bad workouts. game. Briefly, had the combine, yeah. literally everywhere. Like the pickup games he plays on on Saturdays in the off season. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I, I like to highlight this game especially because through maybe his first ten minutes, like he had zero points on the board. You yeah. know, and we ha- we've had concerns with guys before, like oh man, if they don't get it, get it going to start off with, are they just gonna wilt or like fade away and disappear? And Kyle Kuzma just has such a poise about him. And I think he just know, like internally knows he's good. The fact that he can be so mature to not force things, like force the activity to be like, hey, I have zero points through 10 minutes and I'm the leading scorer of the preseason. I got to get some buckets, you know, and still do things in the flow of the offense. And not only that, but do the little things defensively, tipping balls, like running the floor, setting screen, like doing all those things without complaint. And then once it's his time, all right, I I missed two shots before, but here's my baseline shot. Oh, in transition, here's my crazy devil spin move of death and boom. And then from there, he pops off. He's able to hit a three. He didn't have a great shooting night, but you could have fooled me. You know, he's five for 14, but 18 points, four rebounds. And honestly, some of the threes he missed tonight, like three of those were wide open, you know? So I had no problem with him taking those shots. He just missed them, you know? So tonight is like a great case of like, Man, if this is like a bad game for Kyle Kuzma, that's amazing. You know, this is probably his worst game statistically. And yet he still managed to score 18 points, find ways to contribute and still have these spectacular highlight reel kind of plays. And it the, the way he's able to now like catch defenses off guard by like pump faking and, and jab stepping and making these quick moves is insane to me. His fluidity as a player I know they're playing him at the four right now, and that's really what's like catching power forwards off guard. But yeah, I like like you've said before, he looks like a wing too. Like he looks more fluid than Brandon Ingram. So what did you think of Kyle Kuzma today? I most like overall just love the controlled way that he slowly built his way up to eighteen points. What about you? I uh, pretty much agree with everything that you said. He looks incredible. Um, and it's it's like we've been talking about this whole time. He scores in a variety of ways. And I actually, I said this, like, I think in the last episode. or Yeah, I think it was the last episode. I was like, if there's a game where his three-point isn't, his three-point shot isn't falling, he has other ways to score. This is not a guy who's scoring 18 points a game-ish in the preseason just because he's picking and popping and teams don't know who he is and he's just raining threes and he's hot from shooting threes. You know what I mean? Like there have been those scenarios or like, Oh, this guy is just playing out of his mind from the mid range and nobody's defending him yet. Or he's being really scrappy and scoring a lot of points and people haven't adjusted. It's not, he's scoring in every possible way. Teams know who he is. They're respecting him and he continues to, to deliver. And like you said, a lot of the threes he missed tonight were wide open. And I like that even though he was missing, he was staying so aggressive. And, you know, in some of those cases, you can argue he took a bad shot. I'd say of the 14 shots he took, maybe one was bad, maybe two. 
Um, yeah, but you're, you know, if you, you want your best player, which sadly, the, I mean, not even sadly, the guy's just good, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but like you want one of your best offensive players off the bench anyway, to have the confidence to like, be like, okay, I missed that last shot wide open, but if I get the ball back, I'm going to make it in the same exact spot, you know, like that's what you want. And so sometimes, yes, that might lead to bad shots. Um, and I think in the case of Kuzma, there are just not that many of those. So continually impressed with Kyle Kuzma. It's so funny how fast we were all like, well, at some point he's going to pass Dang in the lineup. <laughs> he, Dang has literally gotten to play like 13 minutes in this entire preseason. So, and he played pretty well too, but it doesn't played, matter. Like better than he's played. He played at any point last <laughs> season. And it doesn't matter because Kyle Kuzma is that good and you have to give him minutes. This is like, you know, I know we played 12 deep tonight, so maybe we don't go 12 deep in the regular season. I don't know. Maybe we will. But point is, Kyle Kuzma still got 29 minutes. Like, we played largely our normal rotation. You know, like, maybe Brooke will get more minutes, but then maybe, like, Zubats gets less. You know what I mean? So Kuzma, I think, could sustain this 20 to 25 minutes, at least when the season starts. and. You're just going to have to figure out ways to keep him on the court. And guess what, Brandon Ingram? Like, if you're not performing, you're not going to be able to stay on the floor. So, and and not to say Brandon Ingram, like, I'm afraid or, you know, what is, this guy's a bust or not to say anything like that because I actually think he overall played well, which we could talk about, like, next or whenever. But, um, yeah, Kyle Kuzma is just, he's insane. Kamakuzi. That, I'm trying, I'm still trying out some nicknames. Uh, that's my new one. Ka- Kamakuzi. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, Kyle Kuzma, 19.2 points through five preseason games, probably still leads the entire league in points, definitely leads the Lakers. He had a great game against the Kings too, 15 points, eight rebounds, three assists. I think the thing that impresses me also a lot about Kyle Kuzma is even when he's not scoring, so far it hasn't translated into very many assists, but the guy's quick decision making and his passing ability is quite underrated. I think it's underrated because he usually doesn't dribble pound the rock, you know, as much. Right. Like if he did what Julius Randle did and like dribble, 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 then all of a sudden whip like but he just has it's almost like the six nine version of Lonzo, you know? He gets it out of his hands really quickly, makes these quick reads and quick passes. I mean, we've seen the quick no look passes to people that it's just the right play. You know, it, it'll be the hockey assist sometimes even, but his basketball IQ is really underrated and it's really high. And I think that's what impresses me the most about Cal Kuzma. Um, people were asking me for NBA comps and I threw out, you know, he's like the rounding into form, into offensive form version of Tobias Harris, but with smarter high basketball IQ. And I bring up Tobias Harris because he already ha- seems to have the fluidity and all of a sudden the scoring mentality of a Tobias Harris, but couple that with the fact that he his progression to this point as a scorer has been gradual, which I think makes a world of difference, right? Yep. Where when you got you have a guy like Julius Randle who has been known as a scorer since high school, that totally shifts your entire frame of mind getting into the NBA. But for Kyle Kuzma, he knows what it's like to be a nobody and to do all the dirty work, all the little things, like all the garbage man Larry Nance sort of things, right? So you add that to his perspective in becoming a scorer, and he knows even when he's not necessarily scoring, he can affect the game in all these small ways. And on top of that, I think he's learned the game at a better pace at a smarter pace. He's had to use his mind a little more instead of just raw athleticism, raw skill and raw scoring, because that part of his game kind of developed a little more slowly. And now we're seeing it all come together. And you're like, dude, 
yeah, if Tobias Harris is his baseline and he has more potential than that and he's a smarter player, like, sky's the limit, right? I know people all also threw out Anton Jameson because Anton Jameson is a very nifty and crafty scorer and you see the touch in Kyle Kuzma as well. And I'd agree with all those things, you know, like including the fact that Kyle Kuzma, you know, later in his career, Anton Jameson became more of a three-point shooter and Kyle Kuzma starting his career off as someone like that. But power forward, small forward, who cares? Kyle Kuzma can, can ball the hell out, you know? So yeah. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else to Kuzi. Oh, uh, no, man. He is, he's just very good. <laughs> you know, I've been like everybody else. I've been waiting. When is he going to have a bad game? And it's like with every player who gets, um, every young player we've seen over the years. And I think in particular, you know, the two of us and like a lot of Laker fans have over the past few years have been watching a lot of young players very closely because we've been so bad. So we've gotten to know all these like great young players through the, you know, quote unquote scouting process or, you know what I mean? Because we, we we were anticipating having high lottery picks, so we're kind of like learning about all these players before they get into the league, which I think is something that not many of us were doing, as at least as much maybe 10 years ago. So uh, because of that, we've seen a lot of young players come in, come in, play hot, play hot in the summer league, play hot in the preseason, and eventually hit a turning point and kind of go downhill and then never really recover and have like a standard rookie season. And like you said, Kyle Kuzma has shown no indication. There's been no indication that anything's going to change. No sign anything's going to change. He plays. He shows you something new every single game. It's just it's not a fluke. And I, you know, it sounds like you're just trying to tell yourself something over and over and over to make it true, but it's not a fluke. He's just like this every single every single day. I think. Yeah, he's setting a dangerous precedent because I don't know what's going to happen when he has a disappointing game. I don't even know how to fathom that anymore. But yeah, Kyle Kuzma has been amazing. And I guess we can transition that now. Oh, there's one more point I wanted to make because uh, I think people really like this tweet as well. But I tweeted it out and the parallels are kind of, I mean, the parallels are there. But I, I pretty much said, you know, if Ben Simmons is 6'10 Rondo, then Kyle Kuzma is 6'9 Kyrie Irving. And in most scenarios, give me Kyrie Irving just because, I mean, I, I'm joking because I really like Ben Simmons and I love the way that he's, I mean, a 6'10 Rondo is totally different than just a Rondo, if you know what I'm saying. But I think if you look at the parallels, it kind of makes sense because Kyle Kuzma is so skilled offensively at, at this stage already that he has the spin moves like Kyrie, he has the footwork, he has the touch and the, the abil ability to finish, he has the ability to shoot and just to have like an offensive force like that, especially as, I mean, we're looking at Brandon Ingram and you, we just have to realize that people like players learning trajectories are all different. Right. And it's easy to look at Ingram, which we'll transition to now and say, man, he looks like a bust compared to Cal Kuzma. Why can't he be like Cal Kuzma who looks so much more fluid than he does, has more decisive moves, has more counter moves. Yep. You can say all those things, but I think right now we just have to, Take solace in the fact that Kyle Kuzma is a, should at least allow Brandon Ingram to develop a little more slowly. Yeah, which is you know what, what he I mean? needs, I think. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Brandon Ingram tonight. Fourth quarter, he fizzled and went back to the Brandon Ingram of this entire preseason, forcing it too much, trying to psych himself out too much into that Mamba mentality mode. And it just didn't work. But what did work for him in that first half? What did you think? Uh, what worked for him in the first half was he wasn't trying to force anything. You know what I mean? First play caught that nice alley-oop. That was a very nice design by Luke 
also look, I talked some crap about Luger on this uh, on our show. I've talked quite a bit of crap about him actually um, a few times. So I'll give props where props are due. This guy has been drawing up some amazing plays. You've seen it on like the baseline out of bounds, the sideline out of bounds. We consistently get good shots like these these little nifty plays to begin games. That's another example of Luke right there. You know, win the tip, come down and run this play and immediately leads to a nice score and not just a nice score, a nice score for your young star who or young potential star who's been struggling. So thought, you know, Ingram had a nice finish, showed his versatility, athleticism and length and all in that first play. And then after that, you know, curling off screens, you know, as the ball handler coming off of a screen, um, pull up J's hitting, hitting some pull up J's mid range jumpers, um, you know, getting to the rim and not overdriving. Um, and, and I guess the, the reason that I, I, I guess those were the positive things, but you can go ahead with where else you're going to go with, with this, which I think I know where you're going here, but go ahead. No, but I mean, I, I agree with you that. We've said it before, but the thing that's going to separate Ingram and really get his game off to the next level is being consistent with that mid-range jump shot because then teams will play him for that and then he can do his little driving expeditions that he likes to do, which right now, the way he finishes is so tough. Like, he makes all these tough finishes, you know, and they're against guys like Joe Ingles, you know what I mean? I mean, that's great that he can make these finishes, but at some point you want him to create more separation and not make life so hard for him and have to contort his body because right now... He can't, he, like, he can't get past them. And so he almost has to body them up in order to find a crease for his long ass limb to, like, get, get a shot in. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. I don't think that's a consistent way to be productive in the NBA as a quote unquote scorer eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I guess, like, my, the reason I am not concerned with Ingram, and I actually think he played very well. To me, he did. Five for 12, fine. Uh, three for four from the line, pretty good. Um, three assists. All this is, looks good, right? The big thing for me is the four turnovers. And I think that four turnovers really tells the story with him because these were not turnovers like, oh man, you know, Lonzo ball with the ball in his hands, the entire game, pushing the pace. And yeah, he made a couple, he made a few mistakes, like all four of these, I think maybe at least three of the four were just horrendous turnovers. You know what I mean? And they're turnovers from him forcing the issue. And that's where things went downhill for him. So and you could see it. And the sad part is it like you could see it happen. Um, I don't know what he was to start the game, maybe five for eight. I mean, he was, yeah. he, I feel like he missed four or five shots in a row to close the game. So what happened was he started missing just some wide open mid range jumpers because you can see him think overthinking it like as he's taking the shot, you know? So he doesn't have that same like Kuzma, like killer instinct, Yet, mind you, like that, <laughs> the Kuzma <laughs> killer instinct, <laughs> the Kuzma killer instinct, um, or, or like the confidence, I guess I should say, of of a guy like Kuzma who he can miss four five shots in a row, but if yeah. they're good shots, he's going to come back and say, "I'm going to make the next one." Ingram, you could see his confidence going down with each miss, yeah, because it's like he started the game so well, and you could see his confidence growing. It's like, oh, okay, great, yeah, I just everybody's been talking about me for the last two days about how disappointing I am. So I'm going to go out there and play confident and I'm going to do it. And he did it in the first half and even the third quarter really. And then in the fourth quarter, he just came in and and started forcing things when the offense got stagnant and that's not his game, you know, like 
Brandon Ingram, the reason I'm not concerned about him offensively is because he's 20 years old. He's still figuring so much stuff out. He's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer easily in this league. It's just like if you put 20 pounds of muscle on Brandon Ingram, he is a completely different player. And so his body is still not there yet. His his skill set is still not there yet. But it's all developing. You know what I mean? Like I think this guy is just a lot more raw than people thought he was when, when we drafted him. And maybe the Lakers knew he was this raw, but I don't know. Like, you know, in college you can get away with being raw because everybody's like, you know, your age, you know what I mean? But yeah. in the NBA, your how, how raw you are really starts to show. And Ingram is a very, very raw player. It's like when we drafted Julius Randle and everybody said, this is the most NBA ready player in this draft. And he came out the way he did. Like both of those guys, I think a lot more raw than we thought. Ingram, I think, could be a 13-point-per-game to 15-point-per-game scorer this year, which is not a joke. You know, that's a that would be a significant improvement over last year, especially he, if he does it on a decently efficient percentage. But he's not, like, a number one-type go-to option offensively. Like you said, <clears throat> Kuzma is, is much more of that right now. But again, look, the difference, Kuzma is, like, a legit, like, 6'9", with an NBA, more NBA uh, ready body, he's 220 pounds. So he's like, I don't know how much Ingram weighs nowadays, but Kuzma's got to be like almost 30 pounds heavier. You know what I mean? At least 30. Yeah, Ingram's listed at 6'9, 190. So Kuzma is a legit 30 pounds heavier than Ingram. Same height, also long, um, two years older. Maybe yeah. it shouldn't be a, so much of a surprise that Kuzma is, is playing this much better and is, is that much further along offensively. To me, that's not to say Ingram's not going to get there. I think he is. I think tonight he looked more like what he looked like the end of last season. Yeah. But he put a good game together for 24 minutes or so, 25 minutes. He has to go back, watch the tape, and the coaches have to be on him. Like, this is how you need to play. Do you see how when you came in for these final six minutes – you kind of screwed all that up and, and I'm pretty sure he's, he's actually, I know he's a smart guy and he'll look at that and be like, yeah, you're right. And hopefully adjust next time. Yeah. And that's what I was going to get at. I was like, just take the 24 minutes that he started with where he was like 11 points, you know, five for eight from the field and extrapolate that out to real gameplay and real gameplay rotations and situations. Cause tonight it still wasn't exactly what we trot out there. Like, yeah, even minutes wise, you know, like Brooke Lopez wouldn't have come in with only played a lot three minutes. Yeah. yeah. So and, Pope played. Yeah, a lot exactly. Less. It was it's pretty much like the Kuzma Randall and Caruso show to the at the end there. And that's not how it's going to be all the time, you know, in the regular season. So I thought like this game was more indicative or paralleled more of what he did, like you said, to end the season last, you know, last year, the second half where he was averaging like 13 points on 47% shooting, right? He just needs to be more right. controlled and then understand because he said it himself. I need to affect the game in other ways when I'm, when I'm not scoring or shooting the ball. And he's shown that he can do that, you know, especially defensively. His activity tonight was great. You know, he was rebounding the ball really well, pushing the pace. Um, he was playing well defensively, uh, along with Larry Nance. So those are the types of things that we want to see. And especially last year, we saw more of it of even when he didn't have that hot stretch to end the year, he was still being a solid and effective player when he wasn't 
putting up shots. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously yeah. it helped to have D'Angelo Russell scoring and doing all that stuff, but he can still be that helpful sort of player in today's Lakers, you know, even without right. D'Angelo Russell. And I think he's slowly learning that he can be that with the addition of Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle rounding into form, Jordan Clarkson rounding into form, hopefully. So yeah. And I, yeah, it's just like going to be, di- I think like there are going to be many times during the season where, you know, we're closing games out and it, it's not a, it's not a coincidence that his worst six minutes came at the end of the game. Right. So these lineups that we had, like you just mentioned, are not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case during the season. Like most games between our power forward and our center, it's going to be two of Randall Nance and Lopez. Um, you know, we can throw, uh, uh, Kuzma out there as well. We have Contavious Caldwell Pope. We have Lonzo. Like these guys are all going to take a lot of pressure off of Ingram. And once Ingram was in there with that lineup at the end, it was just like, yeah, Kuzma was out there, but it wasn't really a whole lot of balance on the floor. And and I, I don't think that really helped his case. Um, and and didn't really help his I don't know mentality or feeling like I have to be the man and step up now. You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. All right. I think we've gone enough on this topic and this episode's pretty long. I'll tease what we'll talk about on our next episode because I wanted to kind of get into Brandon Ingram and, you know, kind of parallel his number two draft pick trajectory with D'Angelo Russell's and then also talking about Kuzma, whether Kuzma's not only making... Maybe we were looking at this all wrong in terms of saying Kuzma is making Randall expendable. Is Kuzma making Ingram expendable? Who knows? You know, we'll talk about all these things in a future episode. And I would like to say just quickly with regards to the idea or notion of how come people are giving Brandon Ingram a lot more slack than they did D'Angelo Russell. To be fair, we were, we were a podcast that understood and gave D'Angelo Russell a lot of slack. You know, we, we, we contextualize D'Angelo's situation to the bitter end. So that's not us. I'm just talking about it seems like Twitter in general or, or the Laker fan base as a whole was a lot harder on D'Angelo Russell and a lot less hard on Brandon Ingram. And we can get into more specifics of why that is, you know, in a future episode. So we'll kind of just tease it there. Um, Tommy, we are now pretty much a week away from NBA regular season basketball. Oh, from- God, I can't wait. From Boston Celtics versus the Cavs, first first night of the NBA, to, you know, Thursday night, next Thursday, Clippers, Lakers, let's do this. Lonzo Ball should be playing. He's progressing with his ankle. I mean, I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm hoping Brandon Ingram clean slate. You know, preseason was preseason. It's the regular season now. Yeah, let, let's see Kyle Kuzma do the same stuff that he's doing now and continue to never have a bad game ever. Hashtag no bad games ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ready for the regular season. We will probably have one more episode before the regular season and do our normal, like, random prediction of the Lakers' record, stats, etc., etc. So that should be fun. But with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because like I said, the more you rate and review us, that's how many koozie-hunted tattoos Kuzma will randomly continue to add on his body without telling anybody. So rate and review us on iTunes. Tommy, we are now at... 198 reviews let's get two more everybody to get that 200 because once we get to 200 jordan clarkson's gonna completely turn into a competent nba player once again i believe it so 200 ratings and reviews before the season starts we can do it guys so with that said tommy i will catch you later peace
Peace out, everybody. All right. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit Credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.